I've titled what I'm going to talk to you this morning, um, Summertime, Fruitful or Fretful? And just thinking of those two extremes. And so I just looked up those words um, in the Hebrew, just from where they're used in Scripture. And the Hebrew for the word fretful means that it's bored out, not bored like nothing to do, but bored like something eating into it. And it's just decaying. It's kind of rotting. And it also has the connotation of thunder, the sound of thunder, and of anger. So on one hand, that can describe your summer, where you just feel kind of hollow, you just feel decayed by the time the whole thing is over, or you're just angry and you're kind of the sound of thunder through it. Or the alternative would be fruitful. And just looking at the Hebrew for the word fruit, as it's used in the Old Testament, the idea is that it's producing similar offspring. And so I think that's what we want to have for our summer, that we in Christ would be producing similar offspring, Christ-likeness, either in ourselves, of course, in ourselves and in our families, and even to those that we come in contact with during the summertime. So I just want to challenge you today to think about, do you want your summer to be fretful or fruitful? And I want to suggest five P's that will make the difference. One is to pray, one is to plan, one is to be purposeful, one is to be prepared, and the last one is to play. So we're kind of going to revolve around those five P's, and at the end today, I really want you to kind of, if not jot down physically, think mentally in your mind, what is my prayer for the summer? What is my plan? How am I going to be prepared? Uh, How am I going to be purposeful? And how am I going to play? Uh, I brought my beach bag. I am notorious in my family for uh, a beach bag because I just buy a new one every um, beginning of every summer. And I just pack stuff that I need for summer things in it. And then I just leave it in the laundry room so I can just pick it up and add to. And I have been known to leave a sippy cup in there with milk that curdled and Josh was so grossed out. He was like, what is the deal? But it's just part of how I operate in the summer is having a beach bag. So I brought in my beach bag this morning some things that uh, I hope will challenge you and suggest to you how to make your summer fruitful rather than fretful. first thing in my beach bag is uh, my watch. Psalms 90.12 says, teach us to make the most of our time so that we grow in wisdom. So I just want to challenge you to use that verse as kind of a a motive for the summer to uh, ask God to teach you how to make the most of your time so that you can grow in wisdom. And then Ecclesiastes 3 is that chapter where it's a time for everything. There's a time for everything uh, and a season for every activity under heaven. And specifically verse 4 says there's a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time to grieve, and a time to dance. I want to say to you that looking back over raising a family, I want to challenge you to make summertime have a different rhythm than September to May. 
because your children are little right now and it may not be as pronounced but as they get into school September to May is an intense time it is structured you have lots of commitments you have they have lots of commitments just even with going to school and so you're just kind of boxed in a lot from September to May and so I found that it was very refreshing for us to set a different rhythm for our family in the summer and I think you do that starting when they're toddlers you carry it through when they're in elementary school it will pay off for you when they are teenagers so that you are still building in some family time some family things together if they've been doing that since they were toddlers it won't seem quite so no mom or what you know get a life kind of thing uh, but I do think the world will not help you do this to set a more relaxed rhythm for your summer and so you will have to choose to be purposeful not to let culture uh, make you create a frenzied summer which is very easy because you are going to get tons of flyers on every camp possible from how to thread a needle to how to tie a shoe I mean they are endless and I wish uh, I had started a business earlier on figuring out that I could do that for other people if they were willing to pay for it but you're going to get a, a lot of uh, suggestions for things to do over the summer and it's not that you don't do any of them but that you watch out you don't let your family get caught in this we've got to get up every morning we've got to rush we've got to get in the car we've got to get out of the car we have to do this we have to do this but to, you want to have some just treasured relaxed time where you can play and you can pay 100% attention to them they love that and let that be part of your summer second thing I have in my let me see where I stuck it here in my beach bag for the summer is of course sunscreen and all of us know that you need to have a protective coating from the danger of the burning sun by the way this is my favorite sunscreen it's a vino spray it goes on so light it is not oily at all so you should try it it can last me a whole summer but anyway um, you need this to protect yourself from the burning sun but what I want to suggest to you is that it represents prayer you need to pray about your summer so that you have a protective coating from either wasting the summer letting it become frenzied letting it become fretful or letting idleness be the birthplace of sin and idleness can be that it can be a birthplace of sin and even today I would challenge you to just think in your mind when can I pray about summer maybe it can be today during nap time maybe it can be next week during Mother's Day out you just take 30 minutes get away by yourself with your journal and you just jot down some things you're asking God about the summer um, and ask be visionary don't ask him just for this summer but be visionary and look ask him for all the summers that you're going to have with your children while they're still at home and ask him to help you lay some foundation right now in these toddler years that you can just keep building on all the way through those summers but thinking of it as a general scope of this whole childbearing uh, raising age of asking God to uh, help you with summers and then I just put on there a verse that I love to pray for the summer because I love this verse. I'm a little bit like there was this Bible teacher when 
we were younger that was on the radio, Dr. McGee, and he would he would start talking about a verse, and he would always say, "This is my favorite verse," and I've caught myself that I have become like him. But this is one of my favorite verses too, Proverbs 8:30. It's about when uh, God was creating the world and that Jesus was there with him. It doesn't use his name specifically, but that's what the reference is to. And it says, "Then I was beside him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him." And I just love that verse. Can you not picture them creating and Jesus there with him and just this delight and enjoyment and refreshment they were experiencing together? And so that is kind of my idea of what the perfect summer would be, is that if you pray and ask God to just let summer be a time that you are daily delighting in him and that you're rejoicing before him and that you're daily delighting in your children and in your family and rejoicing with them and just to uh, ask God to give you that environment for summer third thing I've stuck in my um, beach bag for today are just some things that remind us of creation Uh, I brought my bird finder flip chart a wooden fish I picked up on a trip somewhere that I let the grandkids play with and then just a fake flower to remind you of all those gorgeous plants that bloom in the summer. But I want to challenge you that you make summertime a time to explore creation. Um, your children are going to grow up city dwellers. Now they may visit someplace once in a while, but basically they're going to know about concrete and freeways. You need to establish some times that they just have some time out in nature to enjoy it and learn about it. We don't worship creation, but we recognize it was created by the Creator and we worship Him. But we learn from it because God did everything in a purposeful manner. And so everything in creation can teach us things about Him and about His ways. And here's another thing I think about uh, creation. You need to teach your children that God created the world. And it says in Ecclesiastes 12.1, Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. And so I would just take that verse very literally, and while your children are young, that you teach them how to remember their Creator. Solomon was the wisest man in the world. 1 Kings 4, verses 30 through 34 talk about that, telling us that his wisdom uh, exceeded everyone's. But notice what it adds in those verses at the end. He was wiser than all men. He spoke of trees, of animals, of birds, of creeping things, and of fish. Solomon's wisdom, a lot of it came from studying creation, knowing that the Creator, in a purposeful way, created it. So if the wisest man could learn from it, then certainly we can benefit from it in teaching our children about it. Now, I thought today I would just teach you uh, something that I did with my grandchildren last week when I was with them for seven days, and so we did it in a seven-day period. And here's how I feel about teaching them the story of creation. I think of uh, spiritual knowledge as being a a huge uh, puzzle, like a jigsaw puzzle. And in the center needs to be Christ and the cross, and that needs to always stay the center. But around that, you fill in a lot of spiritual knowledge. But to me, understanding that God created the world 
is like putting in the border pieces and you know when you work a really big puzzle you get those border pieces because it helps you fill in the rest of it and if your children don't grasp that God created the world that there was a designer and he was purposeful about it when they fill in those other things if they don't have those border pieces they will not fill them in correctly I do not believe that they will and I see with adults if they didn't learn that as children they have a real hard time with it and they have a real hard time understanding who they are where they came from and where they're going so I would teach them that so I'm going to teach you that this morning so I'm going to walk away from the microphone because I think my boys can carry without it to do this and I want you to just pretend like you're a child of course I can't walk very far away from the microphone with this but I'll at least walk this far um Pretend like you're a child, so don't feel inhibited about it. I'm going to teach you Genesis 1-1 with signs. Now, last year with my grandchildren, the younger ones could not say all the words of everything, but they could do all the motions. So if you teach with motions, your young ones can do that. So we're going to learn Genesis 1-1. So I want you to put your hands together like a book. And I always say that the Bible is the most important book. And this verse that we're going to learn is from the Bible, the most important book. So Genesis 1-1. That's the address of this uh, verse you know your address that's how you find your house so if you learn Genesis 1 1 you have the address to this verse you will be able to find it in the Bible and I always kept a big print Bible when the kids were little out and then let them go and mark and I did this last summer with the kids with the grandkids we actually took a big Bible and I let them all take a Crayola and mark over Genesis 1 1 so that they could see where it came in the Bible they would have a sense it was at the very beginning we just opened the front part of the Bible so that even in their young age they're getting an idea that there's a way to find things here there's an order to it okay will you say that with me and sign it Genesis 1 1 okay this verse begins in the beginning and I want you to put your arms like this in the beginning time started there was a time when there was no time and so it's like the clock ticking so we'll begin by ticking off in the beginning you see the earth has a birthday it had a starting point it was in the beginning you have a birthday God is the decider he was the decider of the earth's birthday he's the decider of your birthday and then later on down the road you can teach them God has no birthday he didn't have a starting point there was never a time he wasn't and in our family we use the word God is the omni birthdayologist omni meaning all an ologist one who does so he's the one who decides everybody's birthday and when you want to talk about abortion with your children down the road you can talk about that that he's the one who decides birthdays that person that baby inside the mother's womb is a real person and God had a birthday planned for him okay let's start from the beginning with the address Genesis 1 1 in the beginning okay the next part is God this is the sign language for God he divides right from wrong let's go from the address that far Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God now normally when you create things you might do them like this but the Bible says that when God created the world he just said it so we're going to touch our mouths and in sign language if something comes out of your mouth and it's good your hand comes straight down to your other hand if something comes out of your mouth and it's bad it turns over when God made the world it was good our hands gonna come straight down let's go from the beginning and you say it with me Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God created 
and the heavens and we're going to look up at the sky and we're going to be amazed. Just think of everything that's out there. The heavens, do it like kind of like clouds, the heavens and the earth. The ball, the planet where we live. Okay, we know the whole verse. Let's go from beginning to end and put the address in the front and at the end. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, 1. Now, you've taught him a simple verse. You've taught him a lot of theology by just teaching him that much. And sing it to happy birthday so that it... Uh, I'm not the greatest singer, but I'll sing it for you. Genesis 1, 1. Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, sing it to happy birthday because you're talking about that the earth had a birthday. And next summer, I would teach them the gospel, and I would teach them Acts 16.32, and I would sing it to happy birthday. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, because then you have taught them the earth has a birthday, and then you're following up by teaching them they can have a second birthday. God made creation. God can make a new creation in you, and you follow up with what you're doing this summer, the following summer. And that's what I'm going to do with my grandchildren this summer, is teach them Acts 16.32, and we'll sing it to happy birthday. Then, every time they sing happy birthday, which, by the way, is culture's way of making someone feel like they are the center of the universe. We've done that with birthdays, where this is your day, you are the most important thing, but it will remind them God created the earth, and God can give me a new creation, a second birthday, to make me more like him. Okay, oh, I was going to show you the seven days of creation. This is how I taught the seven days of creation. We did one a day. We added one each time. We did a paper plate each day with Crayolas where they colored whatever was made. But here's the way we did it. God created the world. He had a reason to create the world. You know, when you were, before you were born, where you were just an idea in God's mind and then an idea that was being formed in your mommy's tummy, we got ready a nursery for you. We put all the things that you needed in that nursery, and we were very careful to get it ready before you were born. When God created the world, he was creating a nursery for something very important he was going to make. And you'll find that out when we get to the sixth day. But he was getting it ready. He was putting everything in it. On the first day, cover your eyes so that you can't see, and it's all dark. God said, let there be light. <gasps> Open your eyes and just think about what a difference that was. Will you close them again and get them real tight so you just see dark? And there was light. That was on the first day. And then we would do on our paper plate just yellow and black. So they made a little paper plate of the first day. On the second day, the earth was all full of water. God took the water and he put some at the bottom and he pushed some to the top. And in the middle, God created air. <gasps> Can you take a deep breath and breathe out and in? Because God's getting the nursery ready and whoever is coming in that nursery is going to need <gasps> air. On the third day, God created lands and he made all of the plants. Little flowers, medium flowers, big flowers, bushes, trees. Can you make really tall trees? God made really tall trees. On the fourth day, God went back to what he had done about light and he got more specific. He made the sun, 
the moon and all the twinkling stars. They love to do the twinkling stars because they already know that song. On the fifth day, God went back to that water and air. And God filled up the water with fish and he filled up the air with birds. And on the sixth day, God went back to that land and he filled up the land with all kinds of animals and creeping things like elephants and lions and kangaroos and you could go on endlessly with how many you want to do there. And then on the sixth day, God made a man like a daddy and I use a cap for that. Just God made a man and then God made a woman like a mommy and I used just flowing hair to represent that motion wise. They were the ones God had been preparing the nursery for. God made creation because he was going to make a man and a woman and they could have babies and they could populate the earth so there could be many people to enjoy it. On the seventh day, God rested, not because he was tired. God doesn't get tired, but because he was all done. And when you teach them that, you are teaching them that seven, scripturally, is always the number for completion in the Bible. Three and seven are important numbers to to teach your children about because of the Trinity. And seven is always one where God is completing things. So then when they run across it, they'll do it. Uh What did you have them draw for the rested? For the rested? Uh, Just a pillow. Just a little pillow that he rested because he was all done. Okay. All right. Um, Let's see. The next thing in my beach bag is a bucket. And I have in it um, just all kinds of little things. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. You must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And we considered it very important in raising our children to teach them that God is a rewarder. Now, we didn't say it's instant. We didn't say you get it all during your lifetime. It may be an eternity, but God rewards those who seek to please him. And so we were unashamed of rewarding our children for things because we did want to teach them that concept about God. Um, So in my bucket, I have like stickers and uh, M&Ms. And what we would do in the summer, you do want to create order in your summer. Um, You don't want to just have complete bedlam and chaos. And it was just a great time for us to work on that concept of having a chore and getting it done and then having a reward if you could do that. And what we did when they were growing up is we used Wednesday as play day. So we kind of did chores Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Those were the big chore days. And if you got a certain number of stickers for whatever your chore was for that week, or maybe you even extend them for a month or whatever, then on Wednesday, the play day, there will be some sort of treat. And it doesn't have to be something big. Going to a park, uh, letting them play in the sprinkler, going to get ice cream. I mean, it can be really simple things. It doesn't have to be huge. As the kids got older, we did do things like maybe a trip to Six Flags was at the end of the summer. Uh, because they could wait longer for a reward, but when they're little, they really need to see the reward pretty quick, and so 
establishing a certain day of the week. We've always called in our family Wednesday hump day. Like if you could make it through Wednesday, you were on the downslide toward the weekend, you could make it the rest of the time. So we used Wednesday as a play day. And um, I brought... It's very sad that I even have this to show you because it does show that my husband is right when he says I'm such a pack rat, and I really am. But I did have tucked away somewhere um, some of their charts about um, chores. We were going to go uh, to Castle Goff. I have, I have no memory of what Castle Goff was, but it must have been a place they really wanted to go. And so uh, the first three had to have 25 stickers from doing their chores to go to Castle Goff, but Jordan only had to have 10 because she was the baby, which, by the way, they still point out that Jordan, because she's the baby, always got more or had to do less. Uh, but anyway, here are their little stickers, and I am, so, you know, such a pack rat. I just used paper and turned it over and put it on. And here is Jenna's. I'm very amazed at Jenna's. Jenna had more than 25, which is amazing because she is the most rebellious, difficult child we had. And she labeled what each one of hers was for. Uh, trash, house, bath, dishes, clothes, quiet time, bath, bath, cabinets, uh, kitchen floor. I mean, she was really, really at it. Be kind. I mean, she listed a lot of things that she was doing chore-wise. So, But anyway, I would set up uh, sometime in the summer, some way in the summer, to have sort of a reward system and to work on uh, chores and parceling those out. When you do that with children, you just need to be real specific. You cannot just say, go clean your room. They don't know how to do that. You have to be real specific about go and put the puzzles on the first shelf uh, or whatever. Uh, put the dolls in the box. You have to tell them specifics, but reward them for doing that. It will help them form that habit down through life. Okay, the next thing in my beach bag is just a, a loaf of bread that I made and uh, my daughter-in-law was doing that friendship bread thing so she gave me starter and so I mean I was making little loaves of bread but um, I've decided that that was too hard to tell y'all to do right now with toddlers because even though you only have to smush the bag every day it's just one more thing to do but um, you can make you know like little uh, box mixes that make little loaf breads and toddlers can help you do that because they can open the box they can pour it out they can stir it with a spoon they can pour in the milk they can pour in the oil and they love for you to hold their hand and let them crack an egg and see it drop in there and stir it up. So they can actually help you make these. But my point in doing this, I put on your sheet uh, the verse where Jesus said, I am the bread of life and he who comes to me will never hunger. And so I'm just using this to represent having an outreach to your neighbors and be purposeful about it. And say over the summer, maybe you make five loaves of, of bread, you know, every other week or something. Thing. And then you just wrap them up as you make them and put them in the freezer. And maybe you want to do them as you make them. But just tie them with a, a bow. And then, uh, like on this one, I just wrote on the back, this is the day the Lord has made. Psalm 118.24, have a happy day. And I put a little heart made out of pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners and paper plates are some of your best friends during the toddler years because they can bend pipe cleaners. They can make all kinds of things, and they love the colors. So let them attach a tag to it, and then just carry it to a neighbor and give it to them with no other ulterior motive than just giving them this. Just to 
teach your children several things. One is hospitality and hospitality takes time and planning and preparation. They need to learn that in life. You cannot be hospitable without it requiring energy and some cost and some time but that begins to teach them that. Secondly, laying the groundwork for evangelism we aren't going to just live next to these people and not be concerned about them at all. And we want to build a bridge. And when we take this loaf of bread, we will put them on our prayer list. And uh, if you just write, maybe draw their house on a little piece of paper and just have a little container in the center of your table and put it in there. Then when you pray for meals, a child could take out one house and pray for that house that they might come to know Jesus. And children will pray better if they hold something in their hand than to just talk about it abstractly with them. And so I always like had drawings of God's character qualities like refuge, having something drawn where someone was coming in out of the rain or what, and let them hold it to say, thank you, God, for being our refuge, or thank you, God, for being our hiding place and showing someone hiding. Because I found that if they had something tangible in front of them, it helped them uh, pray a lot easier. So whatever you make, you could, you know, make trail mix. Just something they can help you do that you don't do every day, that you maybe even don't do every week, but that over the course of the summer you begin to teach them something about reaching out to people who live around you. Uh, and also um, be creative about thinking about who are people who are just constant in our life. At one point in our life when the kids were growing up, I was taking James's shirts to a, a cleaner's, a laundry close. And I began to notice that the lady who worked there brought her two children there all day every summer because she didn't have any place to take them. So they came with her to the cleaners. And so we began to build a bridge with those children because they were uh, a little bit younger than my children. And as we did that one whole summer, then the next summer when it came around, I asked her if we could take her children with us to vacation Bible school. And she was very happy for me to do that. And this was a stranger. I mean, she didn't know me except I came in every week and left the shirts and picked them up. And we took them to vacation Bible school that summer. And that grew into the next fall. We took them every Wednesday night with us for children's activities and that grew into probably about a seven year period that we took those children to church with us and so just from that simple thing of being God alerting us to hey here's two children playing in the cleaners all day long because their mom is a single mom doesn't have any place for them and how how could we interact there and you know to let's let the kids go to the dollar store and take something to them maybe when we were picking up laundry but just to lay foundations for them to see what evangelism is like that it's not shooting from the hip that it's not strangers that you're building a relationship and you it's you time effort purpose so okay the next thing in my beach bag is a watering can and uh, I put the verses from first uh, Corinthians where it just talks about that some plant and some water but God gives the increase and just to challenge you to think about in the summer of how can you be a waterer how can you just uh, be causing people to think about God or even to consider God and I actually put on your sheet some questions and I'm a big fan of questions because we tend not to be listeners but if we are purposeful about having good questions 
then it forces us to be good listeners and it always makes the other person feel great if they've been listened to. So I was just jotting down some good questions that when you're in playgroup or on the playground or in your backyard or whatever that maybe you can ask a fellow mother that uh, you're interested in maybe being eventually uh, able to share Christ with or invite to Watermark. And actually, Angie, these are some of the ones we did in our uh, refresh group too. But what is your greatest struggle in parenting? Believe me, everybody has a quick answer to that question. It will not be something they kind of go, uh, uh, about. Uh, If you could ask God for one thing for your child, what would it be? That reveals a lot about what's important to that person if they answer that. What's your greatest fear for your child? And what is one thing you'd like to do before your 50th birthday? But just have some questions. And and at table time this morning, I want you all to brainstorm to think of some others to add to that. Just have some ready so that you are ready when you are with people that you can engage in more meaningful conversation than uh, Johnny only took a 30-minute nap yesterday kind of thing. That you want to move it, but you want to do it gently. And I put in, do you all have this? This is Evian Water Spray. Does anybody have this? This is the greatest thing for summer. You put it in your refrigerator. It gets really cold. Then you just carry it in your beach bag. And then when you're really hot, you just spray it. It is the nicest feeling this it is well worth the cost it comes in a six pack so but my point is that you want to come up with questions that don't just put them on the spot or make them feel awkward or feel like you just dumped your whole watering can on it you want to create this wonderful mist and afterwards you can come up and try it it's really great (laughs) it's a fun it's a fun little gift for summer to give people to put in their refrigerator okay let's see Oh, yes. And your own group is planning on how you can be a watering can this summer and outreach people. And uh, they have set up fun Fridays. And they've got a little um, business card you can carry with you to give to people that gives the dates. And they have information on your table about this. And they really want you to come to these but to consider it as an outreach to invite other moms to come with you. Just a chance to expose them to people who are believers and and, uh, other moms who are interested in the very best for their children. And that means Christ for us. But they could come to realize that down the road. Okay, um, and then let me see where I put these. I keep sunglasses in my beach bag because I leave them places. Otherwise, I can never know where they are, so I always keep them in my beach bag. And I just put them to suggest that part of being fruitful rather than fretful over the summer is that you need to plan some time for you to have maybe two or three days, I think be realistic, three days over the whole summer, maybe they're spaced out some way, where you get away and you can do something for yourself to grow spiritually. And maybe you just go to the pool, put on your sunglasses, and you read, but you relax away from kids, and it will really refresh your spirit. And you need to plan for that. If you don't plan for it, it won't happen. Uh, Everybody is not going to wake up one day in July and say, Mom, why don't you go to the pool today? (laughs) And so you have to kind of get it on everybody's calendar and figure out, can Grandma keep the kids, you know, whatever for that day. But I have a suggestion for your reading material. And it's a book um, by Andy Stanley that is fairly new. It's called It Came From Within. 
I think it is a wonderful explanation of four things that happen in our hearts and he gives Christ's solution for them he gives it in very simple format but not only for you to incorporate it into your own life but it's something if you could teach to your children they would be just way down the road and being spiritually equipped he also has a really interesting chapter at the end on having a heart check for your children I wish I had known to do that as my children were growing up but I am praying that uh, I can subtly suggest to my children that they do that for their children but um, it would it would be a great way to keep in touch with your children's hearts so and this is easy reading this is not something where you have to you know concentrate every minute and you feel tired when you're reading it and if you just read a little bit in June a little bit in July and a little bit in August you can finish it and it, it won't hurt to carry it over like that so do something that is fun and play for you for the summer then the last thing I have in my um, beach bag is a pillow just to represent that in Deuteronomy it says you teach these things and it's talking about the law to your children and it names all these times and it says when you lie down to rest the um, Jewish day begins with evening and you notice that Psalm 55 says evening morning and at noon will I pray because of that thinking that your next day really starts when the sun goes down on this one and if you will make the last thing that your child hears before going to bed something about God's word you're already starting his day in God's word so be very purposeful about that and I think it's fun to choose something for the summer that you concentrate on for that last time and I've done different things when the kids were growing up but little uh, Bible story book I am in love with right now it's the Jesus storybook Bible and it says every story whispers his name and she has wonderful illustrations and as she goes through the stories she talks about how Jesus is in every story what a great thing for your child to learn that the Bible is not just about Jesus in the New Testament but he's in every place and so like in the part about the Passover then the next page she says and so that very night Moses and God's people fled out of Egypt and out of slavery they were free at last God's people would always remember this great rescue they would call it Passover but even a greater rescue was coming because many years later God was going to do it again he was going to come down to rescue his people and this time God would set them free forever and you can talk about see Jesus was in the Passover so for each story she does that she includes how Christ is mentioned or she calls it whispered that he's whispered in every story and I like that word whispered because when you're going to bed that's a great tone of voice to use so okay those are just some thoughts for your summertime to be either uh, fruitful or fretful and I think in order to do that you need to use these five P's you need to have prayer you need to have a plan you need to have a purpose you need to have preparation and you need to plan some time to pray and I want to take just a minute and just let you contemplate and maybe just jot down something that you want to pray for the supper or something you want to be sure you plan you're not going to go out and do all of this this summer but just think of something what 
what would work right now with my kids at the stage that they are what is your purpose going to be for the summer what do you want by the end of the summer uh, as far as God you and your children and outreach and then what do you need to do to prepare for that what what is it going to take to be able to do it and then what kind of play will we have this summer maybe you have some ideas on what you want that to be now I put out on that table over there uh, a summary of an article out of the Southwest Spirit magazine about kids things the second one called Google 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 it's the, our community groups because we're all grandmothers now these are all things that we thought of that you can do with we can do with our grandkids that you could do with your kids and then the last one was Bible ABCs because one summer in our family we memorized ABCs from scripture and then ABCs from Proverbs and I didn't do the Proverb one um, mainly because the illust- I didn't feel like I could copy the illustrations and to me they're the cutest part of it so you probably have to order that little booklet but anyway that most of the things on these pages may be too old for where you are now with toddlers but just tuck them away uh, your kids are going to get older and um, you will need to figure out some things down the road so you might do that so let's just take a few minutes and you jot down some things in these P's and then I'll close this in prayer and then I'll uh, be here to answer questions uh huh yes the summer fruits Uh, my thought there oh yes I do want to do that because I gave you a whole sheet on that didn't I I skipped over that let's go back to that then before I stop Uh, that verse is just where uh, let me find it here in my outline where is that Where, tell me what number. Oh, okay. I have a different thing with mine. Yeah, okay. All right, why I put that in there, because uh, we were talking about watering and talking and just the idea that when you water, there will be a harvest. And, uh, you know, as a child growing up, it was before you could have uh, fruit transported seasonally from wherever it was growing in the world and so you really just had summer fruit in the summer and we would anxiously wait for strawberries to appear at the grocery store I mean we would be so excited the first time we saw a carton of strawberries there or for cantaloupe to ripen and come in or for cherries to come in in June because you didn't have those any other time of the year so I we had much more of a sense of summer harvest that there were things that came to fruition in summer than you do because we can buy those things all year long and I just that verse in uh, 2nd Samuel was when Mephibosheth went to meet David and he was bringing him an offering and one of the things that said it brought that he brought him in a basket was a hundred summer fruits and so I've, I've just always been impressed with that sense of harvest and how that was such a gift to David and just to say to you that um, I think that um, watering and uh, outreach into people's lives it may be a while before that harvest comes in but there will be a time it could be